And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Her kick is blocked. Georgia Tech blocks it. The Jackets pick it up back in the 25, and Austin is returning it down the left oh, side. Pass the 50, a blocker, pass the 30. Inside the 20, inside the 10. And he scores! And he scores! Hey, everybody, great to have you with us once again as we continue on all of our college football FBS previews right here on Strong as Steel, the top podcast for you each and every week preview-wise as we get set for the 2017 football season. Can't wait, down to seven weeks now to kick off time in late August. I'm Michael Regai, joined as always by the very best, the preeminent assessor of college football, the top analyst in the business, and of course, the author of Phil Steele's College Football Preview, the one and only Phil Steele. Great to have you around again, Phil. How are you, man? You know, I am doing great, Michael. Just spent uh, a lot of time in uh, Bristol the past uh, week and uh, enjoyed, very, very much enjoyed Bristol. Love being with ESPN and uh, glad to be back on with you, though. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we, we can't let you forget about the strongest steel because last year, and that's a big thanks to all of you. Our, uh, our our podcast listeners, is you got us into uh, a tremendous stratosphere last year, and we're going to keep it rolling and make it bigger and better here in this 2017 football season. So, Phil, um, you and I, on Monday and Tuesday of this week, we went through the SEC, the SEC West, SEC East. Now, we're going to roll with the Big Ten today. So we start the same way. We will uh, break down uh, the Big Ten East today. And then tomorrow we'll conclude the Big Ten's look with the Big Ten West. And, uh, Phil, as, as we said, as we did with the SEC, we're going to do these in, uh, in alphabetical order. So this is not our predicted order of finish, but we'll take them alphabetically as we get through it. Phil, as we start here with the Big Ten, uh, you know, in quick review, 2016, you know, was uh, historic in many ways since we've had the college football playoff uh, because, you know, as it turned out, Penn State won the Big Ten championship by virtue of winning the Big Ten East and their victory over the Wisconsin Badgers in the championship game. But, Phil, they win the Big Ten and are not included in the college football playoff of four. So I, I guess from a historic standpoint, first time we've had that, and and yet it, it did cause a little bit of controversy. There was uh, some angst among college football fans regarding that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, heading into last year, everybody talked about the, the teams that could win the East. Well, it's either going to be Ohio State, it's going to be Michigan, or it's going to be Michigan State. Those are your three true contenders. And out of the blue, Penn State, of course, wins the conference. That block field goal for Ohio, versus Ohio State was huge. Now, I'll say this. The fact that Ohio State made the playoffs 
after not winning the conference and then got shut out in the playoffs, 31 to nothing, will hurt any team's chances that doesn't win their conference this year of actually making the playoffs this year because I think that committee will throw that out there numerous times. Hey, Ohio State didn't win their conference. They got shut out in the playoffs. I don't know if we want to go through that again. So what we're probably going to see this year, Michael, is because everybody reacts to what happened last year, because of last year's circumstances, I think we'll see four conference champs for sure in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I'm with you, and I think you assessed that uh, that beautifully. There's going to be a lot of uh, reference back to, as you said, exactly what happened in 2016. All right, Phil, let's get rolling. We start uh, with the Big Ten East today. We know a loaded division in the Big Ten. Phil just mentioned, but our first stop is in Bloomington, Indiana. Again, we're going alphabetically with the Indiana Hoosiers. Kevin Wilson, though, the former head coach. Phil, he's taking his act now to join Urban Meyer as the OC at Ohio State. So in steps Tom Allen, who was the D.C. defensive coordinator for Kevin Wilson last year. They go 6-7. and seven. Matter of fact, they've gone 6-7 and seven two straight years with back-to-back bowl losses. Phil, you know, I... Uh, interesting offensively, uh, Richard Lagow returns as the quarterback. They averaged 26 points per game, 426 yards per game last year. Do you see a rise or at least being able to maintain that, that area that they've been in around 500 the last couple of years? Yeah, I remember when Bill Mallory was that coach, he'd have an Indiana bowl game every year, and uh, that was yeah. sort of the heyday of Indiana recently. And I think Indiana's got a great shot at getting to a bowl game again this season. Now, I had some concerns when Kevin Wilson was let go. Kevin Wilson's a guy uh talked to every year. Love what he did with that offense. I mean, Indiana's offense could run the football on anybody and throw the football on anybody, despite having two-star and three-star recruits. So I think he'll do well at Ohio State. We'll discuss that later. Had some concerns about Tom Allen coming in, but look what Tom Allen's defense did last year. I mean, Indiana had given up 509 yards and 37.6 points per game. He came in, basically had the same talent, only six returning starters, and cut it to 380 yards per game and 27.2. Huge improvements on the defensive side of the ball. And talking to Coach Allen this spring, I like what he's got going on here. I think he's a a coach that's – you know, he brought in Mike DeBoard as the offensive coordinator who comes over from Tennessee where he's been the offensive coordinator the last two years, spent some time with uh, Chicago in the NFL, Seattle in the NFL. So he's got a good background, and I think the offense will be in good hands, and we know the defense will be in good hands because Tom Hallen's the head guy calling the shots. Now, Richard Lego is a guy who, when you look at him, he looks like an NFL quarterback. I mean, 6'6", 240, big arm. And here's a guy that threw for over 3,000 yards last year. My biggest question mark is the interceptions. How about 19 touchdowns, 17 interceptions? It wouldn't surprise me at all if he's actually pushed for that starting job by a Peyton Ramsey or even an Austin King if those interceptions continue. But if he can correct that, I like the fact that he's got receivers like Nick Westbrook and then the return of Simi Cobbs. Simi Cobbs, the fastest receiver on the team last year, went down, took a medical redshirt. He had one start last season. He's back this year. That's huge for the offense. The offensive line looks good, led by Wes Martin and Coy Cronk up front. So I think they have a good O-line. Defensively, Tom Allen's got a veteran unit back. I mean, we're talking about nine returning starters. They only lose six lettermen. They actually have, and this is a shocker, Michael, hold on, 
my number 27 defense in the country. Indiana, yeah. number yeah. 27 defense. When's the last time you could make a statement like that? It has Never. been a long, <laughs> a long, long time for the Hoosiers. So with that defense, and as long as they get Lego to cut down the interceptions, I think the possibilities there, and I do see them getting to a bowl game this year. All right, and then most improved list, uh, are they a part of that uh, this uh, this season, Indiana? Yes, they are. And uh, basically to make the most improved list, yeah, they have a losing record last year. They barely had a losing record, but a losing record nonetheless. And uh, I expect Indiana to be in a bowl, so yes, they did. Yeah, well, that's going to be a very interesting watch. And uh, now, Phil, now we look at schedule now. How about that opener uh, against uh, – they're going to play a, a conference opener on August 31st, a Thursday night, against Ohio State. Bloomington's going to be rocking. Kevin Wilson, huh? Right back to, right back to Bloomington running Urban Meyer's offense. That's going to have a lot of intrigue to it. It will have intrigue, and I think it puts Indiana in a bind because nobody knows the players on Indiana better than Kevin Wilson. So who better to game plan against Indiana than Kevin Wilson, who knows the players' strengths, he knows the players' weaknesses, and uh, I've got to think the Buckeyes uh, win that one by about three touchdowns or more. So I think Indiana will, will struggle a little bit in the opener, but for them the key you know, they go into Virginia. That's a winnable game on the road. Florida International yep. at home, winnable game. Then you got time to prep for Georgia Southern's option. And Georgia Southern went away from the option a little bit last year. They're fully invested in it this year. But at least you have part of the month of August to work on that option. So I, I think they probably pick up three wins there and go three and one into the uh, Penn State game on the road where they're clearly be an underdog. Yeah, and as we've always done, we'll, we'll look at our, our each squad's win total here momentarily. You know, Phil, as I look at Indiana going forward after, as you said, the trip into Happy Valley, the road games in the Big Ten are at Michigan State, at Maryland, and the crossover uh, at Illinois and at Purdue. Hey, listen, uh, you, you could make a case that may, they might be favored in three of uh, those four, if not all four. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, that's what I've got. I've got them favored in two and two toss-up games. So they could be favored in three, could be favored in four. Nice road schedule. Uh, you know, they played the big boys tough under Kevin Wilson. You go back to, mm -hmm. you know, the games against Ohio State, they've given them a battle each and every uh, year. Michigan they gave a battle to last year. The Penn State game was a battle most of the game. So they've played the big boys tough. If they could break through hosting Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, get through it, break through and win one of those big games, uh, I think Indiana fans would be pretty happy with the season with a, a seven or eight wins potentially. The win total says uh, six and a half, and so so may we're going over that. I'm going to go over that, Phil. I'm going to, you know, this is a little bit of a reach, but I'm going to because of those Big Ten road games that I think all are winnable that we just laid out after the trip to Penn State. I'm going to say that Tom Allen uh, goes over that six and a half win total that uh, the South Point lays out out of Vegas. And I'm going to lean with the over as well. I've got six, have them favored in six games. I have two toss-ups. So if you split the toss-ups, that gets you to seven. Uh, I would grab the six and a half while you can because this is a team, I think, where, you know, when it gets to be closer to the season, Indiana's win total in Vegas will probably be closer to seven. All right, that's the story on uh, the Indiana Hoosiers. Tom Allen, their first-year head coach, D.C., under Kevin Wilson, and now 
taking over the reins of the program. This is how we roll with our uh, our previews uh, here on Strongest Steel. We're in the Big Ten, in the Big Ten East today. Tomorrow we'll uh, we'll swing over to the Big Ten West. So from Bloomington, Indiana, let's uh, let's head east into College Park, Maryland. As again, we do this alphabetically. Solid year one, Phil, uh, in in uh, the, uh, the College Park for DJ Durkin. Now you know, I mean, it, three and six in Big Ten play, right? But you know, it lost four straight before closing it down with the win over Rutgers. I, I, as I look at the schedule with you, I mean that that could be a bit of an impediment, a bit of a roadblock for a large improvement here uh, for uh, Durkin improving where he was in, in year one. But when you look at this program, I mean, the biggest thing that sticks out for us, we, we talked about it a lot, D.J. Durkin, I mean, taking on the challenge, obviously, in one of the toughest divisions, the Big Ten East in all of the FBS. Can he show considerable improvement over where he had the Terps in year one? You know, I think you're going to see improvement on the field out of Maryland, uh, no doubt about that. When when you look at them, they've got 13 returning starters coming back this year. Uh, defensively, I like what they've got in the defensive front seven. A lot of veterans. Jermaine Carter, maybe the leader at the, the middle linebacker spot. they got my number 40 defensive line in the country. Secondary's got two, two-and-a-half starters back, so they can be pretty good there. Now they lose their quarterback in Perry Hills. Excuse me, but remember last year they they lost their quarterback uh, often. When the, and when Hills was down, that's when they struggled. When Hills was there, they were a much better team. They used Pegrom, they used Rowe. They even surprisingly started Max Bortenschlager one game at the uh, quarterback spot, which they lost, and so that was his only start. Uh, this mm-hmm. year they bring in Caleb Henderson, who's uh, uh, you know he didn't play in the spring game, but he's a transfer from North Carolina. He was my number ten rated quarterback out of high school. He's six three two fifteen. He's going to battle Kasim Hill, who is 6'2", 230, a true freshman, a Durkin recruit. So I think those two will give the best competition. Pegram's still back. Borton Schlager's still back. But I think that the quarterback spot comes down to that. Now, Ty Johnson had a game last year. I mean, he had a huge numbers in one game. And other than that, he had a pretty good season. Topped 1,000 yards, averaged 9.1 yards per carry. They've got D.J. Moore at receiver. So there are some weapons at the skill positions, and the offensive line looks decent. When you look at their schedule this year, that's probably where I have the, the biggest problem with uh, Maryland because they play some uh, pretty tough slate. They do. They've got to start out uh, in at Texas uh, on the Labor Day weekend, their opener, and then Big Ten road games at Minnesota, at Ohio State, at Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, three. those are uh, three in a four-week stretch from late September into mid-October. Phil, another thing, you know, we look at, too, I always like to really take a look and bring our strongest steel uh, listeners to your uh, your unit rankings by position. And when you look at Maryland now this year in uh, Phil Steele's uh, college football preview, their top unit ranking is four in the Big Ten in special teams. So, you know, there's there's position groupings on that football team that are, I, in your mind, kind of in a state of flux right now, yes? Well, you know, they do have a lot that are in the 6-7-8 area, and really that's middle of the pack to upper part of the uh, the Big Ten. So that's, that's pretty decent when you consider – 
how many teams in the Big Ten were in the top ten last year? You know, you look at Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, all top ten caliber teams last season. So it's a it's a loaded conference top to bottom, and uh, I, I think overall their position rankings rank good. Now, the one area, if you go to page 27 of the magazine, mm-hmm. is the, the, the toughest schedule. Maryland has a 36 jump in the toughest schedule this year. So uh, they last year they played a schedule that was tailor-made to get to a bowl game. This year they're taking on my number 13 toughest schedule after the number 49 schedule, and I think that might be their biggest problem this year. Uh, we'll see how D.J. Durkin and his Maryland Terrapins uh, handle that, that tough schedule as Phil just lays out. Win total on uh, the over-under side for the Maryland Terps this year, Phil, uh, they, uh, they're they sitting at uh, at three. And uh, I now that, I that three sounds... I got three and a half, Michael. Michael, I got him at three All and right. a half. All right, three and a half. Sounds low, though. Can we agree on that? Sounds low at three oh, and, and a half. And any team that went to a bowl last year, you would not expect a three and a half because three and a half is generally a rebuilding team. And this is not a rebuilding team. This team this year would be favored over last year's Maryland team. Mm-hmm. All right, so it's uh, it's going to be one to keep an eye on, no question about that. As we said, though, the schedule that's that's a gauntlet that they've got to go through with those uh, three tough road contests as Big Ten play opens in a four-week stretch in late September and on into mid-October. And, and, All right, Michael, so, and, and Michael yes. the reason that the, it's three-and-a-half, if you go through their schedule, they'll probably mm-hmm. be an underdog at Texas, at Minnesota, at Ohio State, home to Northwestern, at Wisconsin, home to Michigan, at Michigan State, and home to Penn State. So they could theoretically be an underdog in eight games. So the folks at South Point did their job. I mean, they looked at the schedule, <laughs> looked at the talent, and uh, I think they came up with an accurate number there, despite what you like. You were surprised, and I was surprised when I saw the three-and-a-half when you dissect the schedule. Do you then realize why? Okay. So, Will, uh, South Point says three-and-a-half. Again, I'm going to go over. I, I, I do believe that uh, that Durkin, uh, the recruiting abilities of him, and I think he's gotten his talent base a little bit. I'm going to go over it. I'm going to think four wins, and maybe even optimistically for Turp fans, five wins this year. So that's the uh, the Maryland Terrapin story. Uh, we swing as we stay with the uh, the Big Ten East, and again, we're doing these alphabetically. This is this is not any uh, anywhere near a projected order of finish in the Big Ten East, but we've decided to do um, all squad assessments alphabetically. Let's uh, swing to Ann Arbor, Michigan, where it's a year three. Year three now for Jim Harbaugh. No more of a fill of a lightning rod of a polarizing head coaching figure around uh, the national landscape in college football. Harbaugh in year two, he was sitting with his Michigan Wolverines at 9-0 and and in the, uh, the top three in the country last year. Phil, they dropped three of the last four by a total of five points. One point loss uh, at Iowa, three-point overtime loss to Ohio State, one-point late-game loss in the Orange Bowl to Florida State. So they finished 10-3. and three. The losses are substantial, Phil. They had 11 NFL draft picks. There are currently 17 Wolverines last year on NFL rosters that were picked up as uh, free agents. So you'd say, and I know your experience chart as you'll go through has got them way down at the bottom. 
Yet, Phil, you know, in 16 and 17, Harbaugh's recruiting classes ranked in the, the top six each year. He's got a total of 31 four-stars consensus in his program now the last two years. Five five-stars. They're very talented, with many of them going to play as true freshmen and redshirt frosh in 17. So can they maintain that upward ascent for one of the most storied programs in college football history? Yeah, I clearly think Michigan's going to remain at the top of the Big Ten. I do want to point out that the last two years, uh, Michigan, uh, despite all the publicity they've gotten, has actually finished third in the Big Ten in 2015 and third in the Big Ten East and third in the Big Ten East in 2016. And I think they at least get to that number three spot. And here's an interesting stat for you, Michael, a couple of interesting stats about that five returning starters that Michigan has. I think the general public will take a look at five returning starters and say, this team's in trouble. They're in a rebuilding year. But the two factors I'm going to throw out to you. The first one is Ohio State last year had six returning starters. They made the playoffs. And Michigan's got talent, like Ohio State talent, very close to it. And the, so if I'm not overly concerned with the five returning starters, and, and here's why. The second point is that in their top units in the front of my magazine, where I rank all the top units, you would expect a team with five returning starters maybe to rank in the top units in three, four categories mm-hmm. due to the yep. inexperience. They rank in then all eight categories. I want to hone in on like the defensive line, for example. Uh, they've got a guy like Rashawn Gary, who was the number one defensive lineman out of high school last year. He's 6'5", 293. This guy's a legitimate All-American type at defensive end. Got his feet wet as a true frost. 27 tackles, 5 TFL. He's back. They've got Maurice Hurst. Hurst turned down the NFL. And while he had four and a half sacks, 7 TFL, he wasn't a starter last year. That was as a backup. Well, he's a mm-hmm. disruptive force inside at that nose tackle spot. He's an all-American caliber defensive or nose tackle, defensive tackle. They got Brian Monet. He's a guy that was my number 19 rated defense lineman in high school. He's played behind some big time players. Last year got his feet wet. I think he'll be a stud. So they actually have a top 10 defensive line despite having zero returning starters on the defensive line. So they are much more talented than that number five would indicate. Now, troublesome for me with Michigan when you look at the schedule is not only when or who they play but when and where they play these teams for example they play Florida out of the box and if you listen to the SEC podcast that we put out on Monday and if you haven't don't worry you can catch all these podcasts that we put out just go back and listen to it it's over there in the SEC actually it was Tuesday because it was the SEC East and uh, they play Florida in the first game of the season And generally, if you have an inexperienced team, you struggle early on. I think Florida's got the advantage there. They play Penn State, and Penn State's the week off a bye, and it's at Happy Valley. They play Wisconsin on the road. Michigan's off a road game against Maryland. They've got to play Wisconsin on the road, but guess what? They've got Ohio State on deck. And then, of course, they play Ohio State. So those are potentially four games they could be an underdog in this year. But I think Michigan's a strong team, and as you pointed out very correctly, their three losses last year by a total of five points, that means they were basically three plays away from being undefeated last year. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's a situation where, as you said, Wilton Spate's coming back. He didn't touch on Spate as uh, the quarterback had a real strong beginning to the season. Uh, not so much the end, got hurt against Iowa, uh, did not play particularly well against Ohio State, and took them to the second half to get going in the bowl game against Florida State. But, Phil, my, my question for you here is, 
Jim Harbaugh has got a couple of very talented quarterbacks that he's recruited in Brandon Peters and Dylan McCaffrey. We know if that we've seen it everywhere he's been, especially in the NFL. Any sign of trouble or some poor performance from Spate, Harbaugh's not a guy who's afraid to pull the trigger. You might see Brandon Peters playing football at that quarterback spot for Michigan. Yeah, and Peters is an intriguing prospect in the fact that he's 6'5", He's 216. He's deceptively athletic. He's got a big arm. And uh, his offense corner said he made a lot of great strides in the spring. So here's a guy that is actually pushing Spate uh, for that job. And, uh, you know, when you got a quarterback like that waiting in the wings, he was my number uh, eight rated or six rated quarterback coming out of yes. high school. So a PS6 is not too bad to be. And with that size, arm strength, and a bit of an athlete, I think he does have a chance. Phil pointed out that uh, the four games, uh, Florida, at Penn State, at Wisconsin, and home to Ohio State, that Michigan uh, could be uh, an underdog in. And, Phil, as we look at South Point, the uh, the win total for the Wolverines, they've set the over-under for Michigan this year. Eight and a half is what I have. Is that where you're at out of South Point? With nine. You got nine. All right, so uh, a nine and three for Michigan. What, what do you think, Phil? I think you're going under that, aren't you? No, I'm. I'm thinking nine and three is a possibility. I would not go over, but uh, I, yeah, I would. I would tend to go under. I would have to say, if it's nine, uh, with the four games, I think that they could potentially lose this year. I'm going to go under nine, but not very far under nine because uh, those would be the only four games I think they were dog in all year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to. You know, I'm a Big Ten guy anyway, but. I got them beating Florida in that opener. Uh, okay. I think it's just like they did. Uh, what was it uh, in the, after the 2015 season? They they rolled Florida. I know a different different both of them very different football teams, but I, I'm gonna take Michigan with uh, the Big Ten influence, winning in Jerry Jones Palace on September 2nd against the Florida Gators. But uh, that one, along with uh, as we talked, Alabama, Florida State, and Michigan, Florida, fill the, the 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 two marquee games out of the shoot for you on uh, on uh, Labor Day weekend to start things off? Yeah, the two biggest, but, uh, you know, there's some big games out of the box, so it, you know, and some important games out of the box, too. You know, like a Texas A&M, UCLA, I think is crucial for both those teams to, to grab a win early in the season. But, yeah, my top two would be the two you mentioned. All right. Uh, that's how we roll here as we're doing the Big Ten East preview on our preview edition here of Strong as Steel. Hope you're a part of uh, our podcast. We try to make this show the most informative, the most analytical, and the most entertaining for you as we go along. And you might even want to uh, go check out Michigan and Florida or Alabama and Florida State on Labor Day weekend. You know what? You've come to the right place. I've got just the opportunity for you. You know, I get asked all the time, what's the best, most efficient way to buy tickets for sports events, concerts, even the theater? Hey, I tell you what, it is SeatGeek. That's right, SeatGeek. They're the smartest, easiest, most effective way to get the seats you want. And there's the kicker. It's the seats you want. You define where you want to sit. Seat Geek will get you there. Their seamless mobile experience allows you to buy and sell tickets to every event you want with just a couple of taps on your mobile device. You get the best seats. And, oh, yeah, 
at the very best prices, fully guaranteed. You're going to see your favorite college football team or musician or play on Broadway as you instantly find seats like I just did. And I'm going to go check out Bruno Mars. Going to take my son, Cal. We're going to go hang out and see Bruno Mars live coming up this summer. Just two taps on your mobile app. So make SeatGeek your go-to app. It'll save you time and money on every type ticket, sports, concerts, theater you want to attend. You save time, you save money. You can't beat that. Best part of your SeatGeek experience? Check this out. You're as strong as steel listener, and that makes you special. You're going to get $20 off. That's right. I said $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Download the SeatGeek app. You enter promo code STEEL, STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E. Immediately, you got 20 bucks off the price of your first purchase. Be front and center at all the events you want. Make sure you do it the best way, the only way. Get with SeatGeek on the Seat Geek app. All right, as we continue on uh, here on uh, Strongest Steel, as we go through the Big Ten, our Big Ten East preview, Phil, we stay in the state of Michigan, of course, as we roll from Ann Arbor, that 70-mile trip up to East Lansing, up in the middle of the Wolverine State. Wow, Phil, I, a complete state of flux, I guess you could say, for Mark D'Antonio, that would be on the positive side. And there are many in college football, let's be completely frank uh, about this, would say bordering on a program in disarray on the negative side. Now, from 2010 to 2015, Phil, you and I all the time would point out Mark D'Antonio led his Spartans to five, five 11-plus win seasons. He's the only head coach to do so. But Phil had bottomed out to 3-9 and nine in 2016. They lost seven in a row after the 2-0 and oh start. But, Phil, that's, that's not the most disturbing part of it, really. Uh, seven players have been dismissed from the football team for various uh, sexual allegation cases to uh, run-ins with the law. I don't know. I, uh, Mark D'Antonio, he's a terrific head coach, tremendous program, as we just laid out. But is he going to be able to navigate his way through 2017 with enough positivity around his program to be able to maintain his job? Yeah, and that's going to be the interesting factor. And, Michael, if you were to talk to me last uh, July and said, what would my rating be on Mark D'Antonio on the hot seat? It would have been below zero. I mean, Mm. you couldn't even get below zero last year. But how things change, and it's not just the three and nine. It's what you mentioned. In fact, I'll say this. Back in December, when I looked at Michigan State, I said, well, this could be one of my surprise teams this year because you're talking about a team that had 13, 11, 12 wins. They bottomed down to three and nine. All you have to do is look in the magazine, read the stock market article, and you know what my head was thinking. Here is the team ready to rise right back up. And I had a bunch of players lined up as these guys are going to be major contributors, like Donnie Corley, a receiver, for example. And now, boom, these guys are all gone. In fact, Michigan State this year, uh, four returning starters on offense, four returning starters on defense, number 129 on my experience chart of 130 teams, very low on the rankings uh, there. Uh, and there, there's rumors to be a lot of off-field stuff that's going on. So I think D'Antonio, who I've got great respect for, I mean, he's done a tremendous job with Michigan State. He's been competing with all the big boys without the four- and five-star recruits. 
he's got it set before him now. He's going to have to have a, a good season. And a couple of pivotal games, I think. You know, well, first of all, when you look at the talent on the team, strengths running back, I rate him number 15 in the country, L.J. Scott, Gerald Holmes, Holmes uh, Madre London, all capable of being a feature back. They got my number 35 set of linebackers, guys like Chris Frey and uh, Andrew Dowell. But they have a lot of question marks throughout the rest of the team, which is highly unusual for Michigan State heading into a season. And the schedule's not that easy either. It's a number 20 schedule in the country. Yeah, so all those factors certainly uh, lead to a season that is going to be one that, I I, I don't know, I'm with you, Phil. I've always had tremendous respect for Mark D'Antonio, I mean, while it seems like, you know, Urban Meyer and now Jim Harbaugh grab all the uh, the five stars and the four stars, D'Antonio put a lot of uh, those five years of 11-plus wins together with virtually nowhere near the, the talent from the recruiting base that Ohio State and Michigan um, have had. So a lot of respect for him, but, um, you know, it's going to be, have to be a close watch for Mark D'Antonio coming into 2017. I agree with you on that. Uh, Phil, the South Point says, uh, let's take a look at the schedule, first of all. South Point says Michigan State, You, I have them at, at five. Is that where you are, the win total at five? Five and a half is the win five total Five and a half, on right. And, okay. and uh, yeah, you know, we were talking about D'Antonio. I did an article for ESPN.com, and there's right. a bunch of articles up on ESPN.com right now. Coaches on the hot seat, and like I said, Prior to last year, I would have thought that's laughable that he's on there. He is on my coach on the hot seat list, and uh, for good reasons. There's there's some reasons out there, so make sure you check that article out on ESPN.com. Yeah, absolutely, as uh, Phil does a tremendous job with that. Uh, and, and, Phil, you're going to be doing a whole lot more writing for, for ESPN.com as a uh, couple, two, if not more, three, four pieces a week, right, as we get rolling near and then into the college football campaign. You're even going to write some NFL, yes? Yeah, college, NFL. Uh, check out ESPN.com for all the latest coverage in that. And, of course, ESPN Insider. I've got an ad in the magazine. You know, flip to the back of the magazine, that last back page. And it's got how to join. We're talking $3.33 a month. A lot of fun, uh, and you get a lot of articles. So make sure you check that out in the magazine. Yep, and you can always, uh, each and every week, even when the season starts, of course, you make sure you join us right here on Strong as Steel. And you can uh, hear all of uh, the assessments and evaluations that Phil continues to put out in such a fine fashion. Big Ten East is what we're doing today in preview fashion here on Strong as Steel. You won't get it any better than this in analyzing and breaking down each and every one of your favorite Big Ten squads will, of course, swing over to the Big Ten West coming up uh, tomorrow on Thursday. Phil, let's uh, take it on into one of the hotbeds of collegiate football. Has been from the days of Woody Hayes and still is now. You know, last year at this time, Phil, I remember you and I doing a lot of conversing about Ohio State as we looked at one another. And at last year with 128 entrants, in the FBS, they were dead last in the, on your experience chart. Um, and even with all of the NFL defections, still jumped to number 38 this year. So what a big jump experience-wise on Phil's experience chart. 11-2 and two last year, Phil, as we alluded to, yet no Big Ten East division crown and no Big Ten championship game for Urban Meyer. And then as you alluded to, that 31-zip uh, pasting, 
that the Buckeyes had to absorb from the uh, who would be the national champion, the Clemson Tigers. Now, Urban Meyer, Phil, sixth year national championship following the 14th season, always a top five recruiting class, and JT Barrett is coming back. I'm going to assume you're going to tell us that Ohio State's going to maintain their lofty status among the college football blue bloods, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And when I look at Ohio State this year, Michael, you touched on it. The experience rating is way up over last year, going from six returning starters up to 15. I think the biggest piece they picked up in the offseason is something we talked about a little earlier with Indiana. That's Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson is an offensive coordinator. I think we'll get J.T. Barrett back to playing in that 2014 uh, form that he had. Remember, he was a legitimate Heisman contender at the end of the year. Had a 34-10 ratio, ran for 938 yards, threw for almost 3,000 despite getting injured, missing the last three games. With Kevin Wilson, I think J.T. Barrett, who has a much more experienced cast around him, will return to that 2014 form. And they've got plenty of talent. Uh, guys like Mike Weber at running back, J.K. Dobbins, one of the top running backs out of high school, Demario McCall. These are all guys who are among the top ten running backs out of high school. Antonio Williams sort of loaded there. Uh, the receiving core, uh, led by Paris Campbell, is probably the weakness of the offense in my mind, even though they've got tons of talent. Uh, they're number 32 nationally. And then my number three rated offensive line in the country. I mean, start with center Billy Price, go outside the left tackle to Marco Jones, and they're loaded. Defensively, you know, you almost get the feeling the defensive line coach would have liked to have a couple of these guys move on. So you didn't have to have a Nick Boza and Tracy <laughs> Sprinkle and Jalen Holmes as backups. Let those guys start a little bit. I mean, they're chomping at the bit whenever they get on the field. That is a loaded defensive line. I rate second best in the country. They got my number 11 linebackers in the country with Jerome Baker, Chris Worley, Dante Booker. And then the secondary is solid as well, despite some losses that they had. Uh, the, the unit was inexperienced last year and proved to be one of the best in the country, and the special teams rank up there as well. When you look at their schedule this year, you probably have to favor Ohio State in each and every game. They get Oklahoma at home. They do have to play Michigan on the road. And my concern there, if you're an Ohio State fan, is that Michigan won't be an inexperienced team at the end of the year. They'll have a a full season of experience. So that's probably going to be the one test all year, the toughest test, is the the usual battle, Ohio State-Michigan. I think that's going to be one of the better games of the football season. You know, Phil, I have to tell you, and I know you and I, and I'll divulge this here on Strong as Steel, after thinking about the first couple of weeks after that, uh, and that's somewhat very surprising, 31 nothing shutout loss to Dabo Swinney and uh, the ultimate national champions at Clemson, I, I started looking at the Ohio State quarterback situation. And I thought, coming into his senior year, might it be better for Urban Meyer, as he did with Braxton Miller, you mentioned it, that he's got a very, very competent young backup who's just just can't wait to get on the football field. And uh, Joey Burrow, he's the son of uh, Joe Burrow, the the coordinator of the uh, Jimmy Burrow, excuse me, the uh, Ohio Bobcats defensive coordinator for Frank Solich. And then uh, Dwayne Haskins. Phil, for a minute, I thought, might it be best to move Barrett right now I don't know if the young man is going to have uh, a, a future as an NFL quarterback following the senior year. Might have to be a position switch. Although I will say when Kevin Wilson was brought in, uh, that that changed my mind a little bit. So 
I, I think you're, we'll see what kind of influence he has on JT Barrett. Can he get back to 2014, as you alluded to, with that 34 to 10 touchdown INT ratio when I thought he was brilliant as a, at that time as a, uh, a sophomore quarterback? Yeah, I think he can. And, you know, something you alluded to in the bowl loss, which uh, sparked my memory a little bit here, Urban Meyer has been a coach for a long time. He goes to Bowling Green, Utah, uh, and, of course, Florida and now Ohio State. And Urban Meyer has lost a grand total of three bowl games in his career. And if you're an Ohio State fan, the last two times he lost a bowl game, won the national championship the next year. Yeah, so that's something to uh, think about. So, Phil, I, I'm, you you sound like you definitely have Ohio State uh, then, you know, being a college football playoff entrant once again. The win total out of the South Point, you said they're going to be favored in all 12 more than likely, with the possible exception, given how the season might play out uh, at uh, at Ann Arbor on November 25th. So what are we looking at here, 10.5 for the over-under for Ohio State? Yeah, ten and a half is the total right now. Ohio State's a seven-point favorite in Vegas in that game against Michigan. I'm going to go with the over on that. Like I said, I've got Ohio State favorite in ten games. So they'd have to not only drop one but two of those games. So you're talking about a team that's going to be favored in every single game this year, most likely. And uh, they got a little, they got a margin for error where they can they can go ahead and lose one of those games and still top that ten and a half total. Yeah, it, uh, and that's something to uh, definitely keep your eye on as uh, we like to provide you with uh, all of the win totals is being put out by South Point here as we do all of our previews for all of the conferences leading in to the 2017 season. You know, another way that you could uh, get the the very best in information, what we know, the Bible, the Bible, I think I dubbed it that back a few years ago, Phil. I hear everybody now calling it the Bible, and I'm saying I, I should have patented that. <laughs> called calling Phil Steele's college football preview magazine uh, your football Bible. Uh, be that as it may, you know, the preview magazine is jam-packed with information, the very best, informative, entertaining, and is going to give you the edge that you need to enjoy this football season. But, Phil, I think you've got a way that even can expand that with your inside the press box at philsteele.com. Give everybody an idea how they can get involved with your Inside the Press Box on a week-by-week basis. Yeah, and, and the Inside the Press Box, a, a great news there. And you can get more information on InsideThePressBox.com. When you go there, you get a sample issue and sort of work your way through it. But uh, it not only gives you my selections on the game, it gives you my computer selections on the game. And we don't always agree on every single mm-hmm. game, but uh, it's it's pretty fascinating during the course of the year, and it gives you a ton of statistics. So if you like to uh, analyze games yourself, it's a beautiful tool for that, uh, is inside the press box. And, uh, the, you know, inside the press box right now, just $189 for the college. And if you go there and enter the promo code uh, FOOTBALL, you are able to take $20 off your subscription. But you get the final score prediction for every game, the computer prediction for every game, a statistical breakdown for every game, high-scoring game of the week, the upset game of the week, all kinds of fun stuff out there and inside the press box. But best way to do it is go to InsideThePressBox.com, click on it, get yourself the sample copy, and learn a little bit about it. But uh, if you do want to follow the information all football season long, there's a college version, an NFL version. Uh, you pick, you choose. Take 20 bucks off at that code FOOTBALL. 
Yeah, if you're serious, uh, I'll just throw in here. You got to do it. I got to do it. Look, position by position edges in each game's matchup. You don't get that anywhere else. Phil, you know the thing I really love about it is that I don't see anyone else you take into your assessment. And as you said, sometimes you'll disagree with your computer. But the level of competition that a team is playing is taken into account. I love that about inside the press box. Yeah, and it, you know where it really pays off well is right at the start of the season. Sometimes teams will play four weak teams and have great stats. Somebody yeah. else just played four great teams and have weak stats. And if you look at the two teams statistically, you go, wow, this team's so much better. And you know by reading inside the press box that maybe this team with the weaker record and the less score and less stats is actually the better team because they've taken on the tougher competition and actually fared well against it, where the other one's been taking on weaker foes and maybe not even faring as well as the computer thought. So it's a great advantage to have. Make sure you get that advantage. You're not fully prepared for this 2017 college football season unless you do. Hey, great to have all of you with us. Uh, we love doing these previews for you. We hope you're enjoying it. We went through the the SEC, the West, and the East on uh, Monday and Tuesday of this week. Today, the Big Ten East. Tomorrow, we'll wind up the Big Ten with the Big Ten West and then continue our run through every conference and the independents, too, um, in the FBS right up until kickoff weekend, those last couple of days of August. Phil, let's move from Columbus, Ohio, into Happy Valley State College, Pennsylvania. What a tremendous 2016, huh, for uh, James Franklin with uh, one of my favorite, maybe my favorite running back at all of college football, Saquon Barkley, quarterback Trace McSorley. They were terrific. Phil, you know, the, the, and, the, and the thing about them, here they are sitting at 2-2. Two and two after they just got thrashed 49-10 to by Michigan and Ann Arbor. And then James Franklin and his Nittany Lions, they ran off nine consecutive wins. They beat Ohio State in Happy Valley, beat Wisconsin to win the Big Ten Championship. Well, Phil, the disappointment came, right? They finished just outside the college football playoff Final Four, somewhat controversially at number five. To many, though, Penn State now is ready to... Go stay at the top of the Big Ten East and uh, be a factor in uh, the the national championship run as well. Uh, with Barkley and McSorley, the two trigger men back, I, that, that sounds like it can be legitimate for James Franklin and the Lions, doesn't it? Yeah, and two key plays in Penn State season. Down 13-3 to to Minnesota, sort of struggling at that 2-2 two and two record you mentioned. McSorley hit Charles with 80-yard TD pass. They rally for a win in overtime. They got a field goal with two seconds left to tie it. That was huge. And then the block field goal versus Ohio State. And really, the Penn State team that you saw in the first half of last year was nowhere near what the Penn State team was after that win over Ohio State. They were a much more confident bunch. They blew out teams like Iowa, Michigan State, beat Wisconsin, and gave USC a great game. In fact, they had a two-score lead on USC in the fourth quarter of that game, just came up short. Now, talking to Coach Franklin each and every year, I'll go back to the first year I talked to Coach Franklin. He's, this is fourth year. His first year, we'd go through the lineup, and uh, the first string was there. And then they'd get to the second string, and ah, there's a lot of question marks. Not a lot of depth at that Penn State team. This year, fourth year now, we get to the third string defensive line. Wow, these guys can play. They could play for a lot of teams. Get to the fourth string defensive line. Wow, these true freshmen, they could very well be on the field. So there's depth at Penn State 
which is something they have not had the entire time that Franklin's been there. They've got a lot of confidence. They're a veteran team. They've got nine returning starters on offense, six on defense. They only lose uh, a grand total of 17 lettermen from last year. Uh, so this is a loaded team, top to bottom. You talked about Barkley. Mm-hmm. They've got McSorley. But uh, Tommy Stevens uh, is a guy who, if something happened to McSorley, Coach Franklin's got great confidence in Tommy Stevens. Says he gave McSorley a run for the money uh, in the fall. It was legitimate. He's a little bit bigger. He's athletic. So they're in great shape if something happens to their quarterback. They're that deep now at Penn State this year. So I think this is a Penn State team clearly on the rise. They have a, a top 10 offense, a top 20 defense, and uh, sky's the limit for them. Uh, but the only thing that you would concern you, two things about them, Last year, McSorley threw up a lot of 50-50 balls, and it seemed like he had right. about 80% of them answered. Well, if that turns more towards 60%, you wonder what will happen. And now Penn State is no longer the hunter. They are officially a hunted team because they're going to be top 10 at the start of the year. Yeah, now that's that's a terrific point, Phil, and it's something I think that uh... – you know, James Franklin will uh, take into account and uh, have his football team expecting to be that hunted, as you said. Uh, win total for Penn State uh, out of the South Point is is ten correct? I have ten here. That sound right? Nine and a half. I got nine. You got and nine and a half. Okay. Well, let's go with nine and a half then. Well, all because Phil Steele's uh, always has the most accurate account of all the numbers. Nine and a half. Pittsburgh in that uh, that kind of revenge game on the non-conference side, Phil, sandwiched between the opener at home against Akron and then uh, Georgia State. Road games at Iowa, at Northwestern, at Ohio State. None will be easy. They'll be tested in all three. Phil, I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under. I'm going to say they wind up 9-3 and three or 8-4. and four. Okay, fair enough. I'm I'm actually going to go over on this one, Michael. And all right, you know when I look at Penn State, they get a bye the week before they play Michigan, which is huge. Really, the Ohio State game comes at a tough, tough time for them. I mean, first of all, they're going to put a lot of effort, a lot of energy into that Michigan game because Michigan embarrassed them last year, forty-nine to ten, and that game's in Happy Valley. The very next week, they have to travel to Columbus. Now. The folks at Ohio State blew a lead last year in that game, so there's going to be no let-up. Ohio State's off a bye. It's the week after Michigan. There's a reason Ohio State's going to be a large favorite in that game. But all the other games this year, I think they have the potential. I've got them favored at Iowa, at Northwestern, at Michigan State. I think the talent's there to be favored in those games. Pitt's an inexperienced team. They're playing week two at home with revenge. Uh, I think Penn State's probably going to get more towards the 10-11 win total. So I'm going to go with over, and uh, we'll bet a root beer on that one, Michael. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Love that root beer sarsaparilla. Absolutely. So Phil's going over with Penn State. As I said, I, I 9-3, and three, I think, would be um, – that's interesting. Phil, if they were to go 9-3, and three, would that now be considered a disappointment in, uh, in Happy Valley this year? Of course, that would not get them to the college football playoff. What do you think? Nine and three, not going to be one that uh, the folks uh, would like around Happy Valley? I think any team that enters the season in the top ten, nine and three is a disappointing finish. So I think that's legitimate. And that's great. It's bad and it's great for a coach like James Franklin because you want expectations raised. Exactly. So, uh, but that uh, Michigan at home. 
That could be, uh, you know, uh, under a whiteout uh, on October 21st, and then the same thing the very following week, a night game on Saturday, October 28th at Ohio State. So those are the two that will be red letter. And, uh, Phil, I I think you make a great point. They come back to back. And uh, I I just don't think that's going to work into the advantage. I'll say this. I'll put myself out there. I'll be shocked if they were to go 2-0 at home against Michigan and at Ohio State in back-to-back weeks. I agree. As much of an advantage they have going against Michigan, being at home and being off a bye, Ohio State's got that same advantage against them, except they're not only at home and off a bye, but they catch Penn State off a huge game. And you cannot play an A-plus game two straight weeks. Yep, I agree with you. So that's the story for football team that went 11-3 and last year and, as you said, ripped off nine consecutive wins and really caught the attention, I know of all of you, and the college football world in, in general, uh, James Franklin and his Penn State Nittany Lions. One more stop we have alphabetically in the Big Ten East. And, uh, folks, this is flat out, I, you know, it, to me, it's, it is the toughest position to be in in all of college football, given the division within the conference that, of course, we're, we're laying out for you and going through. Chris Ash, Urban Myers, a former co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State, starts year two. Phil, there's no other way to say it. I, I mean, he's, he's looking to take a major step forward. As we said, trying to resurrect the program, you know, how realistic for Chris Ash is is that to see forthcoming? And, I mean, just when you look at it in totality, Phil, when we say taking a major step forward after a 2-10 and 10 last year, of course, with the wins being over Howard and New Mexico, if he could win three or four football games and maybe one or two of them in Big Ten play, would that be considered a major step forward? Uh, I think so. And there are different two and tens when you look at two and tens. And Rutgers two and ten last year was a bad two and ten. They had yeah. some horrific losses last year. You know, to lose to a team like Ohio State is not horrific. Fifty eight to nothing. That's bad, especially when you combine for nine first downs. Then the very next week, Harbaugh is saying to himself, you know what? We got to top that. We got to do better than Ohio State. How about 78 to nothing and two first downs for Rutgers? Eight first downs against Michigan State, five first downs against Penn State. Those are mind boggling numbers for FBS. I could see an FCS team, but these are FBS and Power Five teams putting up those kind of stats. Now, is it a surprise to you that they have a new offensive coordinator this year, Michael? <laughs> no, no, sir. would not be a surprise at all. So Jerry Kill comes in. I like Jerry Kill. I mean, here's a yep, guy that always, get, always gets the most out of the players. He had, took a step down, had a step down in Minnesota, but hopefully he's got everything under control right now. He's got a, a decent quarterback coming in in Kyle Bolin. Bolin had some good mm-hmm. success at Louisville. I think he beats out Resigno for the starting job. They've got Robert Martin and Josh Hicks, a couple of running backs that were effective a couple of years ago, and I think they can be. One of the big turns for Rutgers last year was basically their offensive player, the one guy they relied on, talking about receiver-wise, running the football, kick returner, pump returner, Janarian Grant. This guy's electric. Well, he went down, and he only started four games last year. He got injured. He was out for the year, and sort of that offense went out. Now, they've got a couple starters back on the offensive line, but getting Grant back, adding Bolin, 
with Martin and Hicks in the backfield, they've got some weapons. I think Rutgers' offense, and it, it really it's not a stretch to say it, they're going to be much improved, but really there's only one way to go to up. Now, in my magazine, uh, and make sure you check out all the great stuff in there, but one of the factors is the projected stats for the upcoming year. I've got Rutgers going from 283 yards per game to 346. So that's a pretty good jump, 15 points per game to 22 points per game. That's a pretty big jump. But once again, it goes back to what Michael was saying, whereas that's more of a jump to a three- or four-win season, which would be considered pretty good. They've got eight starters back on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think it's going to be a dominant defense. I've got them rated as the number 88 defense in the country. But there's talents there. Guys like Kamiko Ture at defensive end, uh, Blasson Austin at the cornerback spot, uh, Saquon Hampton at free safety. There's some some players with talent, Sebastian Joseph up front. Uh, so I think they'll be tougher. They're clearly an improved team. But this is a team that was not only 0-9 in the Big Ten, how about being outgained by 231 yards per game and 30 points per game? So let's trim that to maybe being outgained by 150 yards per game. That's huge improvement uh, by being outscored by 20 points per game. That's huge improvement, but it still means it's going to be a pretty tough season. So I think Chris Ash has his, a rebuilding job on his hands. I do think this year's Rutgers team, probably at least 10 points better than last year's Rutgers team. But how much will that get you? Yeah, well, exactly, and uh, as, as we look at the whole thing in totality, I mean, this is a daunting task ahead of Chris Ash, and again, I mean, of all the divisions uh, in a Power Five conference that you could be in, I mean, here here we look at, uh, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State right there in the division, staring in the face, and I mean, you know, I you, you could make a case that Indiana is, is on the upswing as well, so... We'll see where it goes for Chris Ash. No, Phil, you mentioned a Jerry Kill, who both of us have a lot of respect for. But, Phil, that's the eighth different offensive coordinator in the last eight years uh, it, for this Rutgers program at some point. I mean, they've got to get this offensive situation stabilized for them to be able to go forward. Yeah, and Jerry Kill's the guy to do that because great respect for Jerry. Going back to his days at even Northern Illinois and the job he did there. And, you know, one thing I'll mention, I thought that uh, Kyle Flood did an excellent job here at Rutgers. You keep talking about what a tough division it is. Mm -hmm. Kyle Flood got him to three bowl games in four years. So uh, he's a coach that I always enjoyed talking to. I think did a great job with Rutgers. And when they joined the league, Michael, would you have thought the three bowls in their first three years in the Big Ten? No, no, and uh, so they joined in uh, 2014, right? It was the uh, the first year right. in the Big Ten, and uh, yeah, Flood did an eight and five in 2014. So yeah, well, 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 see, so there is history and precedent there for this Rutgers program uh, to be able to uh, make some ascent in the very tough Big Ten East. Phil, what, what, what are they at? Are they at two and a half, or are they three for their win total this year? The Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I got them at three. Three. Wow. I don't know. I, look, okay, so Washington in the opener. Eastern Michigan and Morgan State at home. Um, I, you know, uh, you, you, I'm not going to say Eastern Michigan is a gimme, to be Definitely sure. Definitely not, especially with the fact Eastern Michigan had bowl practices last year. Has right. a good team coming back. And 
that's going to be one of Eastern Michigan's most important games of the season. Hey, we are competing against a Big Ten team. And last year, if you watch Rutgers, remember they came against New Mexico. They trailed big early. In fact, you're thinking they're going to lose that game. So they've struggled a little bit in the non-conference play. Yep, absolutely. So, um, all right, so three, huh? And they well, have, I'm going to push. I'm, I'm going to push that out because I like Chris Ash, and I want to see him uh, get himself into a situation where they start believing in what he's doing with the program. So I, I'm going to say it lands right on three, Phil. That's going to necessitate winning a Big Ten game, isn't it? Yeah, well, sure is, uh, and that Eastern Michigan game, and that yep. would get him to three. So, with that said. I'm actually going to go with uh, under three on Rutgers. Like I said, I would take this year's team and probably put them a 10-point favorite over last year's team. But when you look at the schedule, I mean, even that Purdue game at home, I think Purdue's going to be one of the more improved teams in the Big Ten. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for them to top three. So I don't see how they top three. That's That would lend me to going towards the under. All right, uh, that's the story. And, hey, there are the seven stops in the Big Ten East for you uh, right here on Strong as Steel. We do this, uh, we're doing this podcast virtually each and every day. We'll, uh, we'll put it up on social media for you and give you an idea. So we've gone through the SEC, both divisions uh, of the, uh, the West and the East on Monday and Tuesday of this week, uh, the uh, the Big Ten East today, uh, the Big Ten West will be tomorrow available for you on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. And uh, Phil, terrific job as always uh, as we continue on our our look see at everything that'll go on in college football leading up to the kickoff of this 2017 campaign. So you study up now, so we get ready to go with the Big Ten West tomorrow. But you know what? Before we go, though, Phil, with that, um, with the Big Ten East, what it, national championship possibilities in the Big Ten East? Will you put it at? If I set the, to get to the college football playoff, if I set that over under at one and a half, that just teams that have strong possibilities, Ohio State, Penn State, and even as we look at. Uh, Phil Steele's college football preview, you said Michigan wouldn't surprise you if that happened. Would, are those three legitimately possibilities for getting one of those four spots in the uh, chance to be a national championship squad? Yeah, Michigan would just have to play beyond their experience level, like Ohio State did last year. You know, Ohio State had six returning starters, Michigan has five, and overcome some tough situations. But uh, yeah, I could put uh, Michigan in there, clearly. And uh, I think when you look at will the East have a team in the playoffs, I, w- I would think the winner of that Ohio State-Penn State game, if they can get past a champ, certain champ coming out of the West, which we'll talk about tomorrow, uh, yep. then they would have that opportunity. Sounds like uh, a lot to look forward to for those that are fans and followers of uh, the Big Ten East. Tomorrow we take a look at the Big Ten West. Phil, terrific stuff. We'll uh, we'll both get ourselves uh, all studied up and get ready to go tomorrow uh, here on Strongest Steel for the Big Ten West. We appreciate your listenership as always. Let everybody know Phil and I are going to be doing this right through all the previews of uh, all 10 FBS conferences and, of course, the independents as well, right up until the kickoff on the final weekend of the month of August. So for our producer, Jim Nabosna, who's always uh, doing his tremendous job, and for Phil Steele, I'm Michael Regai. Make sure you check out your SeatGeek app. Make sure you get set with uh, with Phil's inside the press box. 
at philsteel.com, and you'll be all set to go. So for, for Jim and for Phil, appreciate your listenership, everybody. We'll see you again tomorrow as we roll through the Big Ten West right here on Strong as Steel. So long, everybody.